0: Thank you for joining our conversation on Wow Whispering. I am your host, Diane A. Kern, and it is delightful to be with you. Wow is spontaneous, open, expressive. Whispering is intimate, still, receptive. In our modern age, moments rush in or away like quicksilver. Do we even make the time to savor a wow or reflect on a whisper, to notice and value such gifts? We're ready to do just that with you right now. I am so excited to be with everyone this morning, and it's morning here in Los Angeles, so uh, early to bed, early to rise to be with you today. I have a wonderful guest with me today. I'm going to share a little bit about her background, and right now, I would like to invite Britt Shefflin to say, hello, how are you this morning, Britt?
1: Good morning, Diane. It's so wonderful to be here with you.
0: So, I want to begin with Britt's background. As a small child, she would delve so deeply into her fantasy land, which indeed is the world of self-hypnosis, that she would be fully immersed in whole worlds that were rich and wonderful layers to add to her daily growing experience of life. It was these journeys where she first discovered that imagination was a powerful tool, not only for entertainment and enjoyment, but for creating desired change. And in her young adulthood, Britt made those far-fetched childhood fantasies become a reality. How? Well, she moved to Alaska, and there she discovered about homesteading, permaculture, traveling the world, tree houses, and dance performance. Well, boy, she really sampled life, I must say, a real natural adventurer. Britt's performance career landed her very far from Alaska into Las Vegas, where she briefly worked in a hypnosis show and became really fascinated with how powerful hypnosis can be. Then, after moving to Los Angeles to continue performing and teaching dance, Britt developed a successful career as a private chef and a burgeoning filmmaker. Shortly thereafter, Britt met her wonderful partner, the future father of their child. And she decided to use her self-hypnosis skills for her own labor and delivery. So it resulted in a very peaceful and incredibly comfortable childbirth that inspired her to study hypnosis in a professional capacity. So in (laughs) 2017, Britt went through the excellent internship program at HMI right here in Tarzana, California. Since then, she's become a master hypnotist, a certified hypnotherapist, and a member of the Hypnosis Association of America and the Hypnotherapist Union Local 472. Boy, when you jump in, Brett, you really jump in. I love this. And she continues her lifelong studies of hypnosis through continuing education programs, earning supplemental certifications, as well as by sharing her knowledge with others through workshops and presentations. I am so appreciative of this really strong commitment to learning, discovery, all of which came out of your direct experience. So I wanted to ask you, when you were a child and you were in this world of what what you now know of in terms of self-hypnosis, What did that feel like to you? How might somebody recognize they're in the space of self-hypnosis?
1: That is such an excellent question. So by definition, hypnosis feels really, really good when you're in it. So it's a very pleasurable experience. Um, And it's daydreaming. It's letting your mind drift and wander off into a very pleasant space. And that can look so different for everyone. And everybody experiences it in their own unique way but generally it should feel very good
0: and so for some people i'm i'm speculating here and and tell me if i'm going off in a direction that makes sense for somebody who may be highly visual might they have some inner visions that would start to show up in that world
1: yes absolutely so some people are more visual some people are more auditory some people are very kinesthetic that really feeds into how everyone experiences hypnosis uniquely some people can't see pictures in their mind at all and so they really you focus on just getting a sense of what that would be like or feeling or creating other sensations and then other people as you mentioned are very very rich and vivid with their visuals so
0: yeah. And, and I'm intrigued that you talked about auditory and kinesthetic. So you might perhaps hear a few words floating by and, and just got a sense of like a message that we would either read in the book or you might hear it. Might that occur? Might you have that sense of that inner voice?
1: Sure. Yeah, it, it can certainly be experienced that way. Some people just experience it more as like getting a sense of than actually hearing.
0: And of course, you being a dancer and someone who's taught dance, you're very kinesthetic. and I find that uh, I have a a dear friend and someone I've known for a long time who's very kinesthetic. And when she wants to explain things to me, she will oftentimes literally be moving around the room in different positions to express the the physicality of the inspiration that's coming to her. Does Does that resonate for you?
1: Yeah, it does. I think I might be a little bit more subdued than that, but I absolutely can connect with that. (laughs) <laughs>
0: well, what I what I'm intrigued by is your sharing that self hypnosis can can come upon one, can be something you experience in different ways. And so, mm-hmm. I'm intrigued with your studies and what you found yourself. Was there anything as you delve deeply into the world of hypnosis that surprised you as you were studying it and beginning to gain some of the skills and expansive view and experience of it?
1: I think it. Even though I had had such amazing experiences, I think the level of profundity that you can experience is still surprising to me, even though I've been doing it for quite some time now. And then seeing it on a daily basis in my clients, I think, I don't know that that will ever not be surprising. You know, you would think just going into a simple meditative state and speaking to yourself or having somebody speak to you in a certain way. It sounds pretty normal in day-to-day, but it's just amazing to me how profound those experiences can really be.
0: We've brought something else up because there's a difference between self-hypnosis and hypnosis where you're being guided by someone like yourself. Mm -hmm. And in the experience of hypnosis that you are guiding someone through, uh, perhaps even something that they've identified, and I want to share with our listeners that you have some particular specializations and among them you mentioned uh, mentioned to me that you specialize in weight loss sports Mm -hmm. performance I love this joyous labor and childbirth vocational creativity and releasing fears and phobias and more so do you find that mostly or just sometimes when people come to you they have a particular need in mind that they really like support with
1: Almost always yes, although I do occasionally get somebody who is not at all sure what they want or what direction they go. And then we use hypnosis to kind of untangle everything and pull out of their subconscious what needs to be dealt with. Um, And then, you know, once the picture becomes really clear, then it's easy for them to move forward.
0: That makes sense, because sometimes probably one of the things is this feeling of something there's something in the back of my mind, there's something in the back of myself that wants to be released or wants to be addressed. Might it be that someone who's not quite sure what it is that they want to focus on, you might say, well, there's something I'd like to, I'm not sure what that was that you just did. Was it was that?
1: It's my daughter playing with the keys. I'm going to move them. Tala, hey, sweetheart. Can you look at me for a second? Come here. Can you come over here? I want you to say... To see my friend Diane, <laughs> she's great. Oh, this
0: is wonderful! So Britt's lovely daughter is going to join us for a second.
1: Hi. So this is Good morning. Nice. Your so noise is in the background. That's
0: what's going on. Wonderful. Well, I know that sometimes in the morning we have our quiet self on. So she said hello with her eyes, and now she'll kind of wander in and out. I think that's wonderful. So we'll have perky child energy in the background of our conversation today. How great is that? the process of being a little kiddo, and funny that we started out talking about you tapping into self-hypnosis when you were very young, and here's your lovely young daughter. I live in the city, and so my next-door neighbor, a lovely couple, they have a one-and-a-half-year-old, mm-hmm. and she is so interesting to me because every once in a while I hear her jumping and running and you know all the things that do are happening for the first time. And then I'll hear her giggling and laughing with delight. And I think, oh, I wish I could see her face right now because I know she's smiling. But just the sounds of childhood are so spontaneous. And if you think about little kids, in a way, sometimes you find them, I don't know if you notice this with your daughter, she'll be looking at something and think, I wonder what she sees in that or what's going through her mind or is she in a space of discovery or is she just in an inner space? And of course, when kids are younger, they don't articulate everything in the way that we do. They mm-hmm. just experience things directly. So I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying our kind of review of those earlier years by yeah. your daughter being a, a reminder that sometimes as we get to be adults, we lose touch with that spontaneity. We lose a little bit of the access to that. Do you find that hypnosis brings that sense of interest and discovery forward for people at all?
1: Yeah, that was really perceptive that you brought that up because hypnosis is actually it's a learning state. We have what's called the critical filter, which kind of keeps stuff from just bombarding us. But when we're children from about zero to eight, we're in hypnosis almost all the time. We haven't developed our frontal lobe and we don't have, you know, the clear decision making, willpower, logic, and all of those skills that come with uh, the more conscious mind. So they're almost always in hypnosis, which, again, is a state of learning and discovery. And so they're building all of these subconscious associations, which will become their programming for later in life. And so, yeah, they are constantly in in that state. And that's why it's so easy for them to absorb so much information. So when we are adults, we're absolutely being connected back to that when we're in hypnosis because we're removing that critical filter. And putting the conscious mind out of the way for a moment so that we can continue bringing in new learnings and uh, and new discoveries about ourselves and the world around us. And it's that exact same state that we're going back to.
0: If you're really giving an access to us to think about hypnosis as a learning state and not simply, well, sometimes it can sound to others as they hear it described as a passive receiving state. But there's something very active about learning where you're participating, as you say, without those filters getting in the way and saying, I'm too skeptical for this. Or, you know, all those little voices that we've accumulated along the way that oftentimes come from some external source and often an authority source. It could be a teacher. It could be somebody who is telling us no, <laughs> whoever that may be. And, and I will share something with you that I noticed. And this may be um, maybe one way to look at it. You know, I have the opportunity at, at a major museum in, in Los Angeles to be a docent. And one of the experiences that we offered for a period of time to people was to go into an art sketching gallery. Mm-hmm. And a sketching gallery where we would give people drawing pencils and paper, and they would have paintings or sculptures that they could use as a source if they wanted. Mm-hmm. And I know that when parents would come in with their little kids, the little kids would be like paper pencils and they would just immediately know what to do with them. And oftentimes what they would do with them would be something that an adult might describe as scribbling and they would just go for it and just have fun. And sometimes I would say to their parent who was with them, would you like some supplies as well? Mm -hmm. And the parents would go into this contracted state of, Oh, I can't even draw a straight line. And it's, It it was such an interesting thing, and I felt badly for them because they would go into this state of somewhere along the line, somebody said to them, Oh, you're not doing it right, or that isn't the way to draw this, or I don't really think you have any talent. And they took that on Mm -hmm. and stopped themselves from enjoying the experience and wouldn't even give themselves permission to have the experience. You're reminding me of how easy it is for us adults to have, I think, what you call a filter or something, a critical voice or critical, critical opinion on yeah. top of ourselves. Wow. Yeah. Oh, you're wowing me like crazy here. But I'm feeling like we're also whispering at the same time because if you think about hypnosis, does it give us access to that small voice inside ourselves that isn't loud enough sometimes to get our attention, but maybe we need to, we need to hear
1: it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, your subconscious mind, it speaks differently than the conscious mind, and it has a different language, and it's all a language of symbology. And so sometimes when those warnings or discussions come up between your subconscious mind and your conscious mind, they're not as clear as a sentence, you know, or, you know, a structured language sentence. They come in different ways. They come in dreams and feelings in your body you know, emotions being stuck somewhere. There's all sorts of different ways that your subconscious mind expresses what's going on that we don't necessarily tap into until we become aware of how to do that.
0: Mm. So when you are with a client or you're getting to know a client and you're beginning a process for them, you're getting a sense of where those filters have kind of clamped down hard and where maybe there's an access to something creative that they'd like to have a greater access to so you get to go even a little bit beyond or maybe even a lot beyond what their original expectation was to accomplish I would think.
1: Yeah you know and it's different for everyone you know we all learn differently some people learn really quickly and some people learn more over time and so it's such a unique experience for everyone but yeah all of those things that Come in past the critical filter when we're children because we're just completely open a completely open vessel that becomes positive and negative associations to things and just like a computer running on ones and zeros 88 to 90% possibly even more according to some people is run on our subconscious programming we don't think about what we're doing. It just happens. We get in the car and you automatically put your seatbelt on. It's an easy, automatic, habituated thing. There's so many things like that throughout our day that we're doing that's running on our subconscious programming. We think we're making the decision, but it's really just happening. So in order to create those changes as an adult, we have a little bit of a different technique to go in there and, you know, remove that block to the resistance of wanting to be free and draw and, Playful or whatever it is that we're trying to work on. Yeah.
0: Well, you reminded me of something that we spoke a little bit about. Oh, I see a little girl with a, with a very interesting hat on. <laughs> How wonderful. You reminded me of something that we spoke about when we were talking about getting together for today's conversation in which you said, something I hadn't thought about before. We both live in the LA area, and we know there's lots of people driving around in cars. And you said that beyond something that many people think of when they think, well, gosh, I need some hypnosis support for my fear of flying. You said that in Los Angeles, there's many people have a fear of freeway driving.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's um, really, really common here. You know, oftentimes, Sometimes fears and phobias happen when somebody has a blood sugar drop. So imagine that you're going down the freeway on your way to work. You were in a hurry and you took care of everyone else, but you forgot to take care of yourself. You maybe had, you know, a cup of coffee on an empty stomach from Starbucks with some sugar in it, but you didn't eat breakfast and you're driving down the freeway and then something happens, you know, in front of you, there's an accident, or maybe you you just, something scary happens, right?
0: Yeah.
1: So, when you have a blood sugar drop that critical filter is open and so you're just taking in all this information you're in a learning state so you have that one scary accident your subconscious mind latches onto that and says wow that was really scary this is a dangerous activity we should be more careful and then every time you drive after that and you see something happen, which as you know in LA is pretty common with the crazy driving, so. Yeah. and so
0: many a, cars, what are the percentages? They're pretty high, you're gonna see something that's like not quite right.
1: <laughs> so on a daily basis that's getting reinforced and because there is, it seems safer on surface streets, people will just, your subconscious mind will tell you, hey, it's too fast on the freeway, we can't handle this, let's take the surface streets. So that's, um, that's really, really, really common.
0: Recently, I had the opportunity not to be driving in LA because I have an injured arm. So I've been taking the ride services. And I noticed that when Lyft drivers get on the freeway, they tend to go into the slower lanes. I haven't really asked them why yet, but I've just been observing and noticing. And I think, let's see, it could be a couple of reasons. could be what you described. And and these are professional drivers. They're driving all the time. Mm -hmm. So they have more instances of what you just described, right? More opportunities to see things that aren't really the, yeah. the best driving conditions or situations. And then I'm thinking, I wonder if this is a conscious trainings ring saying that their company does. It said, look, you've got riders in the passenger seat who are already, they're not controlling the vehicle, you are.
1: Yeah. You
0: better drive a little bit more carefully and slowly so that they feel safe and protected by you, their champion in, in the driver's seat. I wonder about that. I don't know the answer, I'd love to find out. Have you come yeah. across any, any, anything on that score, in terms of people who drive other people? Do they deal with the fear of driving too, or the fear of freeway driving?
1: That's, um, that's an excellent question. I have not come across that or explored that, but I would be willing to bet if it was getting to the point of a, a phobia, that they wouldn't be driving anymore. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. It's debilitating, you know. It's it's not just to like, oh, I'm uncomfortable. It's like I can't function.
0: So other stronger emotions tend to be associated with that, and then it's like I, I don't like the people who say I can't. I have a fear of flying, therefore I'm not getting on an airplane.
1: Mm-hmm. Or I have to um, take a lot of drugs to get on the airplane. Uh, you know, yeah. and then that stops working after a while.
0: <laughs> I think oftentimes. For a person who maybe is a go 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 in life, and they've got something that's that's not allowing them to go go go, they may not n- know what to think about it. They just maybe go into avoidance. It sounds like to to make sure they don't have that experience. So when you work with people who are overcoming that fear or some other fear that is, mm-hmm. and I think the word you used was debilitating. It really gets in the way to the point where it could become a phobia. Mm-hmm. Do you find that people need to have multiple sessions to kind of work that through more thoroughly? How, how, does that, how does that process go?
1: Sure. Well, so there's two things. Fears and phobias are actually two different things. Uh, a fear is rational, and a phobia has gotten to the point that it has taken over your life, and it's completely out of control, and it may not have a rational source. Um, you may not even know where it came from. Because it's all occurring in your subconscious mind. It just starts with that one association that may be an event you don't even remember. So just to differentiate those two. And then generally, it's one of the easiest things to take care of. And it's amazing because somebody walks in your office, one person, and then out another person one to three sessions later. Generally, it's one to three for most people with phobias. Although people who've had them for their entire lives can sometimes... Take a little bit longer it's different for everyone just depending on how your subconscious mind learns but generally I mean it's really the one of the easiest things to to take care of
0: I'm intrigued with what might cause it to be easy is it because it's so defined and specific
1: why is it so easy
0: yeah what the dynamic is that makes it so possible for you to really make such a difference and, and quite quickly
1: well first of all generally the phobias are irrational So, you know, you get something like fear of flying, flying is one of the safest things you can do. So you can know that consciously and still have that phobia, right? So what you have to do is just let your subconscious mind know the same thing. So once your conscious mind and your subconscious mind are in alignment, then you have 100% of your mind working towards the same goal of feeling more comfortable, relaxed, and safe in that environment. So it's really just about teaching the subconscious mind to change those associations from a negative to a positive and reframing. And yeah, I mean, one of the reasons why it's so easy to let go of is because it is irrational. And so once your subconscious mind comes to terms with that, it becomes a lot easier to move forward.
0: What a great way of describing that and really explaining it in a way that feels right. And yet it's a reminder of how often our conscious mind and our subconscious mind may be going in two different directions that we don't recognize because we think, well, today I'm doing my conscious mind. Oh, now I'm relaxing. I'll do my unconscious or subconscious mind. But they are, real, op- they are operating all the time
1: mm-hmm.
0: simultaneously. Am I right about that?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And they work together all the time in ways that you might not even think of, like picking out a dress for the day might be a conscious decision, but how you put it on is going to be your subconscious programming. You put your right arm in first, or do you put your head through first? Like what, you know, every little thing that you do like that is all built around your subconscious programming. And it's wonderful that we have that because it'll frees up our, our conscious mind to, Do the greater problem solving things that humans do so amazingly.
0: So, you remind me of how many habits I suppose that we have that we don't even realize are habits. Mm -hmm. They're just there for us, but somehow they got there. Somehow we made some choices along the way Mm -hmm. and they just got ingrained. And then when we have to rethink them, it's like, oh, this is brand new. That's (laughs) right. Yeah. (laughs) So, I wanted to also share something that you shared about a whisper you wrote to me said my first whisper regarding hypnosis and the mind-body connection was when I was a kid with severe asthma and realized that I could stop or prevent an attack with the power of my own mind can you share a little bit more about that with us
1: I think the reason why I discovered it was because I hated taking the medicine so much. And I just really wanted anything other than that to be able to help me. Mm. Um, And then I'm I'm sure at some point an adult told me that panicking makes it worse. And when you have an asthma attack, it's like drowning on on dry land. You can't breathe. You're not getting oxygen. So it's a panic-inducing feeling. But at the same time if you can relax your airways are able to open up again and if you can just relax enough to function on the amount of oxygen that's available to you in that moment then it can start to open up again and you know i don't want to say that that would be the experience for everyone with asthma but that's how it worked for me and so by being able to have the opposite reaction instead of fear and panic to just calm and relaxed it was literally that simple Of just being able to close my eyes rest a moment allow the air to come into my lungs however much that was and the more I allowed that the more air could get in and then I would be able to stop or prevent the attack from going any further
0: that is extraordinary and I get a sense of being able to follow what your experience was by the way you described it and it strikes me as being a very wise beyond your years approach where you had maybe a little bit of information that you'd picked up along the way, but now you were able to give yourself the opportunity to explore that and see if it could work for you.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Clearly it did. Mm-hmm. And you made that something you could choose to use.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Wow. Yeah.
1: I still so, use it. I don't have asthma anymore, but I use that same technique for all sorts of things in my daily life.
0: It makes sense. And it I can see how it would be something you could apply to other experiences as well. It has, has other applications. So let's move into the world of wow for just a second. What you wrote to me was this. You said, the moment I first realized that I had the ability to help other people change their lives for the better, that was a wow. It was my very first client during my internship. And I helped remove a debilitating, irrational fear. And there's nothing better Than helping someone find that freedom. Well, that is a wow. I'll bet that was a wow for that person as well. Can you share a little bit about how that went?
1: Yes. And in fact, she has allowed me to share the story on other platforms too. So I'm really happy to be able to share this because her story is absolutely amazing. So she was not able to go on elevators. And so she found herself avoiding going out to dinner where it might be like up on a rooftop or experiencing things with her friends and family. And then you go somewhere in a hotel, then having to take the stairs up 20 flights. And she was doing that, coming home with all the groceries and having to unload the car and then hoof it up however many flights of stairs with that whole load. And it was just getting to a point where it wasn't an inconvenience. It was really debilitating. There were some other things that were in there, like fear of flying, but it was lesser. So we kind of just tackled one thing at a time. And it was an amazing process and such a wonderful thing to be able to experience my first time and seeing how powerful it was to be able to see one person walk in, not even be able to come into the building on the elevator and having to unlock the stairwell for this person and then her being able to ride the elevator with me one day. And it was just the most exciting and thrilling thing.
0: That is a wow. And I'll bet that was a wow for her, something she hadn't expected to be able to do ever again.
1: Yeah, I, I think she was kind of at her the end of her rope and just so ready to be able to function again. So it was a really lovely day.
0: And how great that she was able to bring the level of trust she needed to to offer you so that you could support her and you could really communicate directly with her Through your process.
1: Yeah, I mean, trust is everything. It's absolutely the most important thing between the hypnotherapist and the client. And then once you have that, there's so much powerful change that can be made. But it's really a participatory process. A lot of people think I hypnotize you, which is not at all how it works. Um, It's a very participatory process, and you have to have that trust and that ability to open up and work together on whatever challenge is there
0: well that makes sense because now you have the power of two people's energy working together coordinating one may be guiding the other in other words you're guiding them to some new uh, perceptions some new discoveries some new feelings or an inner sense and yet at a certain point you can, feel, you can probably feel the difference in them because mm-hmm. you're so perceptive and you're so tuned into this subtle realm, if you will. Yeah. Um, that must be really an extraordinary experience to have that right off the bat with your very first client during your internship. Boy, did you choose the right profession. <laughs>
1: yes, I really did. It was, it was very serendipitous the whole way through
0: and your background, it's so diverse and so varied. I thought, well, this is really a Renaissance woman because you have not only the cultural elements and the idea of cooking and permaculture and the idea of how we sustain and feed ourselves on a really powerful level, but also the adventure of moving to these places that are so widely different from Alaska to Las Vegas to Los Angeles, oh my gosh. And Where did you start out from? Where did you begin your journey from?
1: So I grew out in rural Oregon outside of Eugene in the Willamette Valley Yeah, I spent most of my years there until in my late teens moved to Alaska and then I was there until my mid to late 20s and then um, Yeah,
0: not having been to Alaska myself. I've got to ask the question what was your experience of the extremes of day and night and light and dark that happened there? What, what, what did you notice about that as you experienced it, this change of seasons for the first time?
1: Mm -hmm. That's a great question. (laughs) So, I mean, it is two completely different worlds in, in summer and winter. I actually found the darkest times to be fall, particularly because there's no snow on the ground yet once you have a blanket of snow, and if there's any moonlight at all, it's so reflective that you feel like you have more light. If you were lucky enough, like I was, to be able to go out during the few hours of daylight during the day, you almost didn't notice it because as long as you were experiencing as much daylight as you would during the summer when you're working, you know, and you can't get outside, then it really, I really didn't notice that much difference in terms of it feeling like it was dark all of the time mm-hmm. but in the summer when it was light all of the time it is such a magical magical experience when the darkness starts to come back and you start to get northern lights in august and you see the stars coming back it's just such an amazing transformative experience it never gets boring there because the daylight's changing by five six minutes a day
0: oh my gosh that is really a quick su- succession it's much subtler and slower down here in good old Los Angeles, where we're on one edge of the time zone. So I noticed when I moved, I lived for a short period of time in San Francisco, and then I moved down to LA, and the difference in the amount of light per day was, Mm -hmm. it felt like an hour's difference, because we're on the two different edges of the time zone. Yeah. And I was really uh, aware of that, how much less light there is in L.A. Once, you know, once I got used to it, it's like, well, this is how much light there is. But you really saw it. You really were interested. I love the way you were talking about the magic of seeing the stars come in and the northern lights and all of that. So you got, you got the extremes. However, you mentioned something else about if you go outside as opposed to maybe when you're inside working – And that reminds me of something that, again, becomes a habit that we have, which is here we are doing whatever job it is we have, whether we work for ourselves or we work in a company. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: We're oftentimes indoors and we either have artificial light or we're stuck up against our computer screen Mm -hmm. and we don't have that sense of light, except if we're lucky enough to work in a place with a large window, we notice that it's changing out there but we're not really focusing on it. So that's a reminder of, again, how, well, creatures of habit we are. Yeah. Yeah. So hypnosis gives you an opportunity as you delve into it to intrude upon those very strong habits and make some changes, some Mm -hmm. desired changes, maybe even some creative changes. I suspect there are people who may come to you and be thinking about accomplishing a goal. And one of the specialized areas that you mention that you are involved with is a, what you call joyous labor and childbirth. You mentioned a little bit about your own experience, and that's something that you've taken on to support other people with, and I'd love to hear you share a little bit about that, if I may.
1: Absolutely. Well, I came to that, like I said, by using it myself. Um, I happen to do self-hypnosis, and it worked great for me. But for people who aren't as highly suggestible as I am, then <laughs> going to see somebody else would be really helpful. But yeah, it's basically, it's like learning a musical instrument. You, you learn hypnotic anesthesia. Um, You can apply that to all different things in your life, like when you go to the dentist or every time you stub your toe. (laughs) It it has applications across the board. It's not just for childbirth. But with childbirth specifically, it's removing the fear. So in our culture, there's a big built-up fear around childbirth, and that really informs the, the experience of most people. So we know that childbirth is a normal, natural thing to go through. Mm -hmm. and most of most of us can have a beautiful wonderful experience and rather than the uh, traumatic and the the emergency type situations being the norm that's the exception so it's wonderful wonderful to have western medicine there for that but normally it's just you know a, a human and normal natural experience that we can all go through so In cultures where there's less fear around childbirth, there's less pain because pain and fear really translate into each other. So the first thing you do is remove the irrational fears about it, and then you have less pain to begin with right there without doing anything else. And then the hypnotic anesthesia allows you to have a lot more control over your body. And just like a musical instrument or learning a new language, the more you practice it, the better you get at it. So the people who practice it every day tend to have uh, a much better outcome, a much richer experience, but you're awake and aware and conscious the whole time. And then you can also combine it with, with Western medicine anesthesia as well. So it's perfectly okay to use hypnotic anesthesia and then get an epidural and be much more comfortable as the needle is going in and then just allowing all of that to happen. And then in addition to that, you're connecting your subconscious mind more to your body. So when you imagine things happening, we know that it causes physiological changes in your body. So being able to imagine your cervix opening is going to help it open more than holding on tight and being like, I'm afraid. Being able to connect calmly with your body and say, it's time for the cervix to open and imagine it opening, opening. And it's the same thing with healing bones. If we put our attention on healing bones, the body gets a signal to go do that.
0: There's another very powerful form of maybe external hypnosis out there, and that's movies and television. And what happens is when people see birth on movies and television, what do they see? All the traumatic instances of it, because if they're watching a drama, they're watching some you know, incredibly scary version of this. If they're watching a comedy, they're watching people scream and freak out and yell and, you know, behave all weird for a laugh. Mm-hmm. But both of those are traumatic uh, imprints. Yeah. And there it is. And we all watch a lot of television and movies. I mean, whether even for people who don't even watch television, now they watch on their computer. We have these cultural imprints. And it sounds like that plants some of these irrational kind of strange ideas that aren't really connected to reality. They're connected to some interpretation or some fantastical dramatization. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, we're going to take a short break and then I want to come back and I want to tell you a couple of things as soon as we come back about how you can reach Britt Shefflin. Thank you for being with us on WOW Whispering. In each episode, we present a public service announcement that highlights resources that are committed to uplifting our quality of life. Look for the episode show notes, which have links to learn more. Today, we are pleased to feature a magnificent combination of something you might not expect, brain, arts, and productions. Well, that's actually the name of their group. It's BrainArtsProductions.org. And what they're about is building financial literacy through the creative arts. They provide unique residencies and curriculum designed to reach your community. Because financial literacy has never been more crucial and isn't always easy to to obtain. You gotta start early in life. And what these folks know is as experienced educators and curriculum developers, They take pride in making experiential cutting edge programs that can be completely facilitated by brain arts, professional educators, or designed for your team to expertly deliver. So you've got your choice, check out who they work with across the country and reach out to start a conversation about how they can make something just for you. They've got offices in Chicago and they consult everywhere. And who do they consult with? Well, banks and financial institutions, credit unions, financial service providers to develop unique and innovative programs to help their customers develop strong skills and gain knowledge about topics ranging from savings accounts to credit scores to mutual funds and beyond. These programs can be completely facilitated by Brain Arts or be out of the box for your staff to easily implement it. They also work with museums and exhibits. Whether it's designing an entirely new event or creating a passive program to enhance patrons' experience of a current exhibit, they use inquiry-based learning and their own brand of immersive learning to create an unforgettable experience. And they absolutely work first and foremost with schools to design programs to fit schools' very specific needs, whether in school or after school, one-time or ongoing, their approach to learning is always a fun, exciting experience that students remember forever, and that's exactly what we want. Oh my gosh, thank you so much! So we are back with Brit Shefflin and having a wonderful conversation. I feel like i uh, There's so many things that I want to talk about, but we're gonna um, we're gonna give you a chance to share a little bit about something that. You wrote to me and I thought, okay, so what does Britt want listeners to know? And Britt was kind enough to say the following. She said her personal mission is to provide channels for people of all income levels to receive the benefits of hypnotherapy, even if they can't afford one-to-one sessions. And so as a result, she is creating affordable DIY, do-it-yourself hypnosis kits that will be tailored to each person's suggestibility type where they receive an instructional e-booklet of cognitive tools as well as hypnosis session recordings and unlimited email support during the process of change. That sounds very innovative. Now, is that something that is currently on your website or it will be something that you're bringing forward soon in the near future? Because I'm sure there are a lot of people who be very intrigued by this.
1: Yes, I have. I believe the childbirth is up And fear of flying is about to be up and I can take requests for anything. So if somebody has a fear of spiders or driving on the freeway or they want to stop smoking, whatever it is, I can create a new kit and then that kit is available to them forever and they have the unlimited support and direction to, you know, for how to use everything most effectively.
0: That is such a creative solution and a way to bring your work to even more people. And so for those people who want to know, how do I get in touch with Britt? A couple of things. First of all, I'm going to spell her name, and that's important because that connects to her website. And her name is spelled, let me make sure I spell her last name correctly. And her first name is Brit, Britt, B R I T T, and her last name is Sheflin, S H E F L I N. And how you reach her is on her website, which is her name britshefflin.com and her website has so many great resources and tools. She's got free resources, she's got some very attractive package deals. She lists several of her specialties and it's a very informative but really easy to deal with very beautiful site, so visually attractive and and approachable for people. So you definitely want to check that all out. There are also a couple of other ways that you can reach Brit she is on social media, on Facebook and Instagram. How you find her there, this is going to be pretty memorable. If you go to Facebook, you go to facebook.com, and then you go to The Hiking Hypnotist. Mm-hmm. And you do the same thing on Instagram. How great is that? So The Hiking Hypnotist. Not only does Britt really give us access to traveling through the inner realms, but she's out there traveling the outer realms as well. Great. <laughs> right. So, so that gives you even more of an understanding of, in, in the world of sports uh, hypnosis, those people who need support for their athletic and sports endeavors, you know those realms because you've been there, your body's been there, and you know what kinds of situations people may be dealing with there on a real one-to-one personal basis. So you strike me as somebody who makes sure she does a lot of things herself in life, so then you bring that added dimension to being able to support others
1: that's the goal.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it looks like you're well, well, well enmeshed in the goal. So I wanted to ask you, as we've explored our conversation today, Britt, is there anything in particular that you find yourself moved to say that you'd like to share with our listeners as we kind of wind up a wonderful free-ranging conversation?
1: Um, I would just invite anybody who is curious about hypnosis to go ahead and explore it. And that could come in any form. You could call me for a free consultation. You could download some hypnosis apps. You can go on YouTube and listen to hypnosis to help you go to sleep, to just kind of really get in touch with building those positive subconscious associations that will help you in life. That
0: is a great suggestion something you said earlier in the conversation. Hypnosis is a learning state. So why not give yourself a chance to use your learning skills and the learning tools that are available and begin that exploration to reach that place that hypnosis is so great at giving you access to, which is the discovery state.
1: Yes. Yes. Oh,
0: great. Well, it has been such a pleasure to talk with you. I feel like this whole conversation has been very calm and very whispering in terms of the way you speak it but very mesmerizing which is oftentimes the way a wow sneaks up on us it it gets our attention we weren't expecting it we don't even know how to define it but there it is saying wow is this something oh is this something that's going to change my life oh let's go and see let's go find out thank you Britt. it's been such a pleasure to be with you
1: thank you so much diane it's always a pleasure to speak with you
0: Thank you. Well, everyone who's with us, and we can't see you, but we sure can feel your energy. Thank you so much for being here. And we will be back with you soon on Wild Worspring. Have a magnificent day, week, weekend, life. (laughs) Thank you so much. All right, take care.
1: Thank you, Diane. Have a wonderful day.
0: Thank you, Britt. What a pleasure to be with you in the world of wow whispering. As we complete this episode, I invite you to notice the wows and whispers that enliven or challenge as they fulfill life for you in both tiny moments and transforming experiences. I wish you the very best until we meet next time.